back. It's the ninth Yablong podcast, I think. Nine? Yeah, we're going with nine. I think nine nine sounds about right. Anyway, we're back. It's been a while. I think uh, whenever the Bears lost in overtime to the Lions. I think that was the last time I made a podcast. Lots happened since then. And, yeah, so let's get on it. All right, first up, Whitewater lost. We didn't win a national championship this year. I'm rather disappointed. Rather disappointed in that. Well, I mean, it all started with that 7-10 loss at Oshkosh. Just couldn't do anything. 76 rushing yards that day. 76. I mean, it's, it's like they didn't even try. Didn't, they didn't even try to run the football. Then we're just... Ah, man, it, it was frustrating. Then the blocked field goal with like a minute to go. Which had the game. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. We weren't allowed to have nice things there. And then we get we get our revenge. We go back. We go back up to Oshkosh. We win. Close game. But here's the thing. We ran the football. We ran the football. We ran it 50 times. And I keep saying terms like we, but I don't play. Oh, well. I should play. Actually, no, I shouldn't. That would be a horrible idea. But, yeah, we ran the football effectively against Oshkosh in game two. And guess what? We won. And then our good friends out at Mount Union. Yep. Yep. We did not. We were just a dumpster fire in that game. Up 6 nothing, But should have been 14. No. We just lost 36-6 at Mount Union. Went to that game. Me and Seth Arp took road trip through the night. Got to Ohio after driving through, like, arguably arguably the worst state in the world, Indiana. The only nice thing in Indiana happens to be, I don't know, Notre Dame. So, Indiana, that was a horrible drive. Horrible experience through Indiana. And then Ohio, same different, same thing. Especially once you get off the highway just south of Akron. That next hour and a half, two hours from Akron to Alliance, Ohio is just pure boring. Nothing. Mount Union, nice, nice campus, but, I mean, they, I don't like their football program. I refuse to acknowledge their presence. I don't like them. They're bad. Anyway, to the actual game, again. Guess what? We tried to run the football. Kind of. Again. I mean, how many times did we run the football for that game? Like, 36 times? Yeah, that's cool. But here's the thing. Mount Union ran the ball 63 times. 63. They ran the ball 63 times for 300 yards. It, uh, that was frustrating. And then we're down, what, 20-something mid to late fourth quarter, and we're still trying to establish the run. I don't know. Maybe smart idea. Throw the football. Throw the football. Then again, we weren't exactly throwing the ball that well either, so what can you do, man? Blue shells. Is what it is, etc., etc. Should have played harder. Didn't. Should have ran the football earlier. Didn't. Should have threw the ball later. Didn't. I mean, honestly, it's... Ah, it was just frustrating. But... Yeah. After that, 
made a little side adventure up to Cleveland. Cleveland, yep. Which, Cleveland's not actually that bad of a place. It's kind of neat. Their downtown area is pretty cool. The stadium's cool, right on the right on the water. The fans are awesome. They were hilarious. You're the dude that, thanks to Darren, thanks to a nice picture I took, Darren Ravel retweeted it. ESPN Cleveland retweeted it. Like getting upwards of like 300 retweets and like 400 favorites or 350 favorites, something like that, something absurd. That was cool. Like that was actually really, really cool. Dude, the jer- I saw this guy walking into the stadium on the back of his uh, jersey was worst franchise in pro sports, where the last name should be. It was neat. Fed boosted my ego for a while, so that was cool. Then you had the people outside the stadium selling T-shirts that say "Factory of Sadness" and "Cause bitch, I'm a dog." Woof, woof. Absolutely hilarious. If I had cash, I would have invested a lot of money in those t-shirts. But carrying cash is not my thing. I don't do that. But anyway, back to the actual game we went to. It was like the Browns and 49ers? Yeah, Browns and 49ers. You can watch Johnny Manziel versus Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, Blaine, the real American. Then the fans. Uh, There was this one dude, I think. He was behind us, I think. And uh, this is the play right before a fumble. He's He just yelled, You suck. I hate the Browns. You suck. And this is a dude with season tickets just telling the Browns they suck. And yet, what do they go out and do? They fumble the next play. Absolutely hilarious. And when me and Seth Arp, we were in, uh, we were at a Perkins in Alliance, Ohio. This is Saturday. And we ended up getting our tickets for the Browns game for less than $9. We went to an NFL game for less than $9. It cost us 8 to go to our D3 football game. It cost $0.75, cents, $0.78, cents, something ridiculous, like something absurdly cheap. Or it was so absurdly cheap to get into the game. It was only like $0.80 cents more to go to an NFL game than a D3 game. Kind of sad, but kind of awesome. And when we were having breakfast at this Perkins, this, like, townie out in Alliance was all like, I wouldn't go to a Browns game even if it was free. He would, You could not pay this guy to go to a Browns game, and he's a Browns fan. That's kind of sad. But, yeah, Browns, that entire environment was awesome. Like, if you had to redraft, or repick, like, and pick a new NFL team, but you couldn't pick your old team... There's a 100% chance I'm picking, like, the Browns or the Bills. The Browns just because it just seems like it would be a cool thing to be a Browns fan. Or, like, play, or being a Bills fan, just the tailgates I've seen. Hashtag Bills Mafia. Their tailgates look amazing. Like, I would love to go to a Bills tailgate now. That'd be so much fun. But, yeah, I'd pick the Browns just because they've suffered, they've suffered enough. They're a factory of sadness. My life is a factory of sadness. Kind of fits. But yeah, anyway. On to news that isn't a factory of sadness. How about the Blackhawks? They're kind of killing it. Patrick Kane, he's killing it. 82 points already. 34 goals, 48 assists, something like that. In just 60 games. He's on pace for like 110 points, I think. 
yeah, my math sounds right. But yeah, first in the division, kind of a, kind of dominating at home. So even though I just keep saying make the playoffs, doesn't matter where. I think home ice would be neat. That'd be cool to get, since they're like twenty-two seven and two at home. You kind of want home games. That'd be cool. Crawford's unbelievable this year. Seven shutouts. But we get to the next thing. Trade deadline coming up. Blackhawks need something. Thinking winger. They need a wing. Don't know where they would find the money for it. I think they have two million cap space. So they have to get rid of some something. And I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking maybe an Andrew Ladd. I think he's in the final year of his deal, I think. And I think his deal is like 4.4 million, even though the Blackhawks have 2.6 mil in cap space. I think if they moved like a guy like Shaw for and his $2 million for Ladd, throwing a pick, maybe Janelle, maybe pull something off like that, or get a rather cheap dude like uh, Dale Weiss, Weiss. I don't know. Can't, I don't know pronunciation. Dude from... Uh, Montreal, he's not having a bad year. He'd be a solid pick. I mean, he's not Vermette like last year, but I don't know. They got to find some kind of wing. At least they're set at center. Like, finding a second-line center was their, always their struggle. Now they have it, and they got to find a a wing to replace, like, the production of Sod uh, or Sharp. So that's where they're at. And then... Let's see what's up next. Actually, no, we're going back to the Blackhawks. They're really freaking good this year. Like, honestly, their power play, their power play isn't an embarrassment. Where I remember there was one year where I literally thought that the Blackhawks should just start declining penalties because it was taking away from their momentum. Yeah, they should they should be declining penalties. That's what I was thinking. Now they're ranked like six. In the in the NHL, but their power their penalty kill used to be lights out, but that'll be fixed once uh, once Kruger's back. Because right now they're just middle of the pack, I think like 15th, 16th, in penalty kill, but is what it is. They'll be fine. I hope. I hope they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They're just gonna go win a bunch of games. I think. Yeah. Because they have what 37 wins. 79 points. I mean, that's almost good enough to make the playoffs as is. Like, if the season ended, I'm pretty sure, or if they didn't do a thing for the rest of the year, I'm pretty sure that they could just sneak into the playoffs with, like, right now as it is, without playing another game. Even though they're first in their division, but, like, if the season actually ended, or not actually ended, if the Blackhawks just stopped playing games and just forfeited every game... I think they might actually make the playoffs that way. At 79 points. Wait, no, that wouldn't make sense. Oh well, just go with it. They're good. And then, speaking of good, you'll never guess who the USA Today expects to win 90 games. It's the one, the only Chicago White Sox. The good guys, the Southsiders. Coming in hot. couple nice free agency pickups, but Again, they do this. They they do this to me every year. They really do. They do this every year. I get all excited. 
about their free agent signings and they want and they just keep they ugh, they, they they sucker me in right down the rabbit hole believing that they can go out win the AL Central sneak into a wild card go on win the World Series but it's it's they're they're gonna they're gonna be the death of me I swear to God the White Sox are gonna be the damn death of me because they keep doing this every year they keep they go out they have they win the off season they make all the trendy moves and then nothing zero I mean Rickon went out last year got Cabrera and Samarja and they both eh, Cabrera I don't think bombed but Samarja did but this year their moves are actually not that bad I mean Abreu's going to be back LaRoche is going to be not horrible I mean they now have an unproven backup catcher from Detroit well, I mean, I wouldn't really say unproven, but he just... He hit under 200 last year in 60 games. It's not exactly good, but, I mean... I don't know what to expect from him. He got Eaton. He's going to do something good. Oh, wait. They, that was that was, a, that was a new pickup. Never mind. He's been around for a while. But, oh, shit. I was just going up, up the list. Never mind. But, anyway. Lowry. He, he's... Kind of, kind of a crazy person. So he'll fit in on the south side. Todd Frazier, another 30. He'll hit 30 home runs. Cabre, Abreu, Abreu will hit 35. LaRoche should hit 35. So that should fix their horrible offense from last year. Then you throw in, you know, Cabrera. Like I said, he's around. Lowry's around. Abreu, Eaton. I mean, they have, they have bats. They can start hitting, and. If they actually, you know, figure it out and hit, they'll kind of end up doing, well, they will they won't embarrass themselves. It's like, Sale, he's just going to go out and win 20 games. Quintana, uh, maybe 10, 10, 15 wins, maybe. Danks, just if he doesn't get hurt, he'll win 10. Carlos Rodon, I think he might be special, because I know he, he had like, I think he was averaging somewhere around a strikeout per inning last year. Wicked slider. And I feel like he, he's not going to embarrass himself. And then they went out and got Matt Latos, who I don't know what to expect from him. Kind of a crazy person. Fits in on the whole mystique of the south side degenerate. So they should be doing all right. And yeah, 90 games. I think they also had, like, Kansas City at 84, Cleveland 83, Detroit 82, Minnesota 80. So they think the entire AL Central will be hovering 500 or just above. And that's going to be good. going to be fun. going to be a fun season, hopefully. Uh, who am I kidding? It's still pitchers and catchers haven't even reported yet, and I have this sense of optimism that they're going to be good. And then spring training is going to roll around. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get traded. And somehow the White Sox are going to fuck up. And by, and they'll be out of it by July. Again. Like they always are. I mean, when was the last time they made the playoffs? 08? Yeah, 08. They won the division. Never won a wild card. Which, kind of concerning. 
But yeah, they need to figure it out. And they need to figure it out and start winning games because a couple miles up north, follow the red line up, those guys are they're going to win 100 games. They're going to be contenders in the NL. And that's not going to be good. You need... They're they the Cubs are ready like like dominate coverage for the city of Chicago. They dominate the headlines. Now that the Cubs are good, the White Sox will get what an eighth of maybe ten words, maybe three lines in the in the Sunday uh, Tribune, or in the, or what maybe half a page in the Sun Times, maybe. Yeah. So the Sox have to start winning to, to remain anything that even looks close to relevant. Or, no, that sounded horrible. Um, White Sox, they just need a win. Just be relevant. Maybe that'll actually help them sell tickets. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to a night game. I'm not going down to the south side on a night game. I feel like I'm an average fan. I wouldn't go down there. I'll stick around to the daytime games. And yeah, just be not bad is all I'm hoping for, which, speaking, not bad. I think I said the same thing about Jay Cutler last year. Just don't be bad. And guess what? He wasn't bad. 3,600 yards, I think. Yeah. 21 touchdowns, less than an interception per game, no multiple interception game. I mean, yeah, he averaged a turnover a game, but in terms of, like, with interceptions and fumbles, but, I mean, he wasn't bad. He wasn't bad, which is, at this point, kind of sad compared to how I felt in 2009 when they acquired him. It's like, just, dude, don't be bad. Don't lose the game. And they, they well, he didn't lose the game six times. So they won six, including the best win of the year, the Thanksgiving game against Packers, Brett Favre retirement night, awesome, awesome win, huge win, huge win, ah, that's just a good night, but anyway, because I remember I I posted on Facebook, it was like an open letter to Jay Cutler basically saying, be like Kyle Orton, don't lose, play not to lose, Or, or not, no, don't, don't play not to lose, but don't, you don't have to win the game. Just go out and be average. Don't do anything stupid. And guess what? Jay did it. He didn't do anything stupid. And they won. And they set the tone for how to beat the Packers for the rest of the year. The Packers struggled. And then they threw stupid Hail Marys. Hail Mary should be banned from football. Aaron Rodgers should be banned from football, too. But, yeah. I alluded to to Kyle Orton earlier, and Kyle, I've come to the conclusion that Kyle Orton is my favorite quarterback of all time. That's not a joke. Kyle Orton is my favorite quarterback. He is everything that I hope to be in life. Whether it's the his long hair don't care attitude, his bad beard, which I'm currently rocking a beard, which is about as bad as Kyle Orton's throughout his career. A little heavy on the neck side, patchy on the cheeks, bad mustache, which, coincidentally, Orton with the epic mustache when he was during his tenure in Buffalo. 
but yeah, he had he basically just did Kyle Orton things, like with the bad beard, just chilling in Chicago with like full bot, like just drinking, like straight out of the bot, like Jack straight out the bottle. That was Kyle Orton just living it up, and then he was just respectably adequate. And by that I mean like he had more touchdowns than interceptions. Wasn't bad, but wasn't exactly good. I feel like that's everything I am. I'm not bad at anything. I'm not exactly good. But I'm not bad. But yeah, that's what Kyle Warren though. He had a good run against the Packers, I think, yeah. I'm looking it up now. Six four wins in six attempts. Three and one as a bear best part about Kyle Orton, three of his wins against the Packers, he didn't throw for over 150 yards as a bear. In his three bear wins, he was, he threw for, he won a game with 68 passing yards. He threw for 68 yards in a game and still won. Like, when like, in his games against the Packers, like, I actually looked at this up. I actually, I, I did notes. There, I have notes here in front of me. So, yeah, I went all in on this. His completion percentage and wins against the Packers was 50%, but his losses had a completion percentage of 60%. He did better in his losses. Like, he averaged 200 yards a game in his losses. He averaged 118 yards a game in his wins against Green Bay. Let that sink in. He only had a throw for 120 yards. Aaron Rodgers, I think, had more passing yards on one drive than than uh, Kyle Orton averaged in wins against the Packers. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Because uh, in that Arizona game, for Aaron Rodgers had that the two Hail Marys. I think, yeah, Jan Janice or whoever dude had a hundred over a hundred yards receiving on a drive, unbelievable. So stupid that kid. Don't like it. Oh well, whatever. But back to Kyle Orton. Yeah, what was it? He had as his time with the Bears three and one against Green Bay. Passer rating of fifty. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. His passer he did better in win or in losses than in wins. Like his pass rating was seventy six in losses against Green Bay, but fifty one in wins. Like he had a win where he had a pass rating of twenty three. Twenty three. I'm pretty sure I can go out there and have a pass rating of twenty three. That's probably not even a joke. I'm pretty sure I could. And then yeah, then he just goes off final game against Green Bay, beats him, little 21-13 win, 158 yards, no touchdowns, just your average Kyle Orton game, didn't do anything, let the defense put the defense put their team on the back, carried, carried Kyle to a win, and the best part about Kyle Orton, what really, like, sold me on why he's my favorite quarterback. It all comes back to, I think it was uh, Marshawn Lynch in his retirement, just posting a picture with, like, his cleats hung up over the sh over uh, power lines. Well, Kyle Orton retired in a better way. 
Kyle Orton when it's, was supposed to have his like end of the year press conference or whatever, and he told all the reporters that he had to go grab his wallet from his truck, and then he just never came back. That's how he retired. He told people that he's just going to his truck for a minute to grab his wallet, and then just never was never to be heard from again. What a legend. I mean, honestly, that is everything I want to be in life, just to be able to be Kyle Orton would be awesome. Just to walk out of a press conference because you tell people you have to go get something from your truck and then just to leave, never come back again. Unbelievable. Great, great story about Kyle Orton. Also, another thing, like Kyle Orton, I think it was 06 Bears training camp, just rolling in to Bears training camp with like, this Led Zeppelin t-shirt, shaggy hair, shitty beard, flip-flops, and a guitar. Like, was that his rookie year? No, that was second year, second year. And he just was like, yep, I'm gonna go do whatever I want. And have a bad beard, shaggy hair, and bring a guitar to training camp because Kyle Orton was a, was a legend. He was the hero that Chicago deserved. And he would have won a Super Bowl in 06 if the Bear, if against Peyton Manning if he got to play instead of Rex. Starting Rex was probably the dumbest idea Lovey Smith ever had. Should have kept Orton. But whatever, that's for another podcast. I'm out. Peace.